Let me read this familiar text again for us. The theme is sanctification. In this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more, in full knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent, in order to be sincere and without fault until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen. We've been thinking about this verse or verses for a while. And there's that engine. If you want to go to the moon, you will be in, the, in a rocket. And it will have that engine. And here that engine to be sanctified is your love for God. That has to be the main engine. But Bible talks about two more booster engines that could control the main engine, that is full knowledge and all discernment. You have to have that. Without verse 9, sanctification, which really is a Christian life as a whole, is impossible. So I pray that you will have those elements in your lives in verse 9. That you will have love for God. Then you will have full knowledge and discernment. And we talked about full knowledge. When Apostle Paul says, I want to know Christ, he is saying, I want to know Christ in his suffering. By participating in Jesus' death, and resurrection. Why? Because in his mind, there's no cross without suffering. And without the cross, there's no resurrection. That's the whole picture and package. And you could read it from Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. Same Philippians, he says, That I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So in one sense, all of us, we need to know Christ. But as you mature in Jesus Christ, your confession will be that, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, I want to know more about Christ. That means His suffering for me. Why? Because that's the only way that I will attain the resurrection from the dead. So what was His emotional response to that suffering? Joy. Joy. Because His desire is to be with his Lord. We talked about all discernment because we need to choose. We need to choose. We need to discern. And it takes wisdom and life experience to discern. And today we come to the main thing about our sanctification. So far, 
all those Sundays that we talked about in verse 9, they are simply prerequisites. Apart from it, there's no real Christian sanctification. But if you have that, in other words, basically when you are born again or if you are converted, you will have that love for God. It may take some time, but you will get there. You will have that full knowledge and all discernment. But all of that is there because of verse 10. What is the main thing about sanctification? According to the mind of God, verse 10 says, So that you may approve the things that are excellent. We'll stop and think about that for today. What comes to your mind when I say to you, sanctification? What comes to my mind is set of rules. That's, that's what comes to my mind. If you want to lose weight, what do you have to do? You have to eat healthy. You have to exercise. You basically have to have a disciplined life. So when I hear the word sanctification, immediately what I'm thinking about is all that I've experienced, depending on where you grew up, what your background is. All of us will have different sets of life experiences that will, that will either give you a positive view of sanctification or a negative view of sanctification or fear for it. But according to God's word today in verse 10, sanctification is first and foremost about your decision making. Mental activity but it cannot be divorced from the influence of the Holy Spirit. So we will say it's a spiritual activity. But the main thing about sanctification is about your decision making under the influence of the Holy Spirit. This really for me is a new thing. I've never really thought about it in this way, about sanctification. Is discipline bad thing? Is it always legalism? I don't think so. Certain measure of discipline you must have. According to Paul, listen to 1 Corinthians 9. He talks about Christian life as a competition in athletic events. And he says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it, that is prize. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but here it is. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. What Paul is saying is, I have a Christian life that is very disciplined like those athletes. Why? Because I want to run and I want to win the prize. My aim is for that imperishable crown. So, so he's not a libertarian. I'm, now that I'm saved, I could do whatever I want. No. He's focused. Laser focused. 
But because he has that disciplined life, can you accuse him of being a legalist? The same apostle who says, "I have that discipline," says, "You need to be careful." He says, Galatians two says, "False brethren came in, who had sneaked in to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, in order to bring us into bondage, but we did not yield in subjection to them for even an hour, so that the truth of the gospel would remain with you." So, in our lives, in our sanctification, we must have certain discipline. But here is the wisdom of that Westminster divines in good works. They define good works in this way: good works are only such as God has commanded in His holy word, and not such as, without the warrant thereof, are devised by men out of blind zeal. Or upon any pretense of good intention, did you hear that? Blind zeal. Some people have that more so than any other people. They are more diligent. They are more disciplined. So what do they do? Oftentimes they turn around and tell everybody, "This is the only way. You want to grow? You need to do it like me." Or upon pretense of good intention. If you read Catholic. History, Catholic Church history. Many things started in the beginning with good intention, but as soon as that initial stage is passed, men's regulations, men's own inventions, they all add up, and it becomes human tradition. So we need to have that fine balance of knowing what God says in His Word. And have enough discipline in our own lives. For example, reading God's word, prayer, or such things like that. You need discipline, but you cannot let other people giving you the set of rules to follow in such a way that they will come in and try to make you into slaves of men. Many of us we grew up in a very strict ministries or churches. As that spectrum of those ministries go a little more conservative, whether it's conservative church in general, conservatives have more rules. Again, all rules are not useless, but you need to be careful. So I remember in the early stage of my life, I was taught many things. And I was given those picture of men and women who are so who are so disciplined, and we wanted to become like them. But soon we realized it was just everyone's just a bit different. I'm sure you could recall in your own life some of the things that was good with good intention, but as you grew in your knowledge and grace of God, you realized some of those are not really helpful to me. So what does that look like in real life? Was my question. Sanctification, we need it, but how can we maintain the balance? It's not an easy thing. So I was listening to a podcast as I was walking my dog, 
And I posted that link in our Twitter. You could take a listen to it. John MacArthur was talking about his early years in Bob Jones University. And he talks about that school as a false paradigm of sanctification. And he talks about his own life. He grew up in a, ch- a family and a church. His father was his pastor. And he said, my father, his Christianity was real, but his Christianity was first internal in his heart. That's where his integrity came from. He would obey the truth, walk in the truth, but he said so many external rules that he encountered in that institution, he just couldn't understand. It was so strange, he says. And what caught my attention was what he said next. Describing his father's ministry, his own upbringing, and what he wanted to do. And he talked about this. So I try to type this down and we'll talk to you. What does that balanced Christian life look like? Love the Lord. Walk with the Lord. That's real Christianity. And he said these words. Grace, mercy, tenderness, compassion, kindness, and humility in preaching. Because you have to deal with people's hearts with kindness, and so on. And that really caught my attention. We may not be able to construct a perfect balance in our Christian life because people will tend to go to the extremes. No rules versus everything is by the rules. But somewhere in between, it really, I thought it was good description of a community where if gospel is really truly the center, it will have all of those characteristics. Grace, mercy, tenderness, compassion, kindness, humility, and so on. So everybody will pursue holiness, but because they are not driven by man-made agenda, they will still pursue it. But because we are human beings, we will sometimes fail. If we fail, then... There is that community with grace and kindness will come alongside and encourage them to keep on doing what you've been doing. Isn't that a great description of that that community? In my own experience, and I'm sure you could identify with my own experience too. By the time when you are given a set of rules... It is because you do not know what it means to fear the Lord on your own. Or not wise enough to make that decision, especially in an early stage of a Christian life. We understand that. But we need to be careful because when you are given those set rules, what do you do? Your maturity hasn't caught up yet. So you are trying to satisfy the person who has given you the rules. So immediately your attention of your spiritual life is focused on the man or the leader. That just bypassed what we have been talking about, verse 9. Heart. The reality of the gospel in your life. 
So at the end of the day, what it becomes is that now it is about the leader's reputation. It's about losing face or shame, guilt. So what started out as good intentions and with best hopes, now you have legalistic community where everyone fears each other. And there's no real sense of compassion, patience, kindness, and so on. So you have two options. If you are given strict rule to follow before you accept the gospel, you either revolt against it or you submit. You revolt and by that revolting, you are throwing out the gospel too. Anything religious, you throw that out. I don't like this. I was given the rules, and I just, just don't like all of them. So that big person becomes irreligious. Or if you submit, once again, you are only submitting to the external set of rules without your heart fully engaged in the gospel. So you will end up either a hypocrite or a Pharisee. That's a bad, bad outcome. Instead, God's prescription for His plan of sanctification for us was, is, verse 9, that your love may abound still more and more in full knowledge and discernment. Now, verse 10, so that you approve. So, as we talk about our growth in Christ in our sanctification, we have to talk about approving the things that are excellent. The choice that you are making is not between right and wrong or good versus evil, righteousness versus sin. If you are only and always choosing evil, sin, and unrighteousness, that person cannot be a Christian. But what is described in verse 9 with the full knowledge and all discernment? You need that because what you need to do in your Christian life mainly is to approve the things that are excellent. Choice is not between black and white, but between many good options. And it takes your full knowledge of the scripture, life, and so on, and all discernment to choose between what is good and what is best. And here, I found the secret of sanctification hiding in plain sight. Probably the best, biggest discovery in my life about sanctification. Listen to this. True and God-intended sanctification does not happen by not sinning. But the true and God-intended sanctification happens between your first and second choices when you make that first choice as you approve the most excellent thing in your life that is intended for you. That's when your true growth in your sanctification happens. 
I realized something by looking at this verse. I think most of us are content in making right decisions as opposed to the wrong decisions. Example is this. Sunday comes. Sunday comes, you have two options. Go to church and not go to church. One is a good choice, one is not a good choice. So if you are making only the option choices between good and bad, and you're making good choices, what happens is we are simply content with that decision. I am doing well. I am a fine Christian because I am not sinning. I'm not doing those things on that side of that line. Evil things, wicked things, unrighteous things. But I am choosing always good things. It's like if you are a high school student playing basketball with kindergartners. If you want to grow in your basketball, wouldn't you play with better players? That's how you grow. In Christian life too. You cannot measure your growth always by looking at the things that you are not doing. But the word here is that you may approve the things that are excellent. So you have to make a choice. For you to grow in your Christian life, forget about the evil things. Well, it is a good thing that you are not doing wicked and evil things, sinful things. But let's set that, set that aside for a moment. Then you have good choices in front of you. Out of that 10 options that you have out in the good section, if you are growing, you have to approve with the intention of keeping it. You have to go to the best selection, best choices that is available for you, for you to grow, let's say 9 and 10. As long as you're struggling with number 1 and 2, easy options, there's no growth. But as you Look at those options and you are approving things that are excellent. That's when you truly grow one step further. Approving the things that are excellent is not in the negative. I'm fine because I'm not doing that. I'm a good Christian because I'm not committing that sin or what. But if you feel like you've been stuck in your growth or sanctification, it is because you haven't gone to the top choices for your growth. If you go to that top options, these are the things that are required. How can you do this? How can you approve the things that are excellent? First of all, you need exposure to and familiarity with the truth so you know what is best for you. And the thought pattern that is in line with the truth. And though to go to that top of the list and have your heart exposed. To go to that option 9 and 10, it takes courage to go there. Because human hearts are always content in making easier decisions. You go there and immediately what is exposed? Your heart is exposed. What is preventing me from going there? Why 
Am I not going there? So you see, you immediately are working on your hearts instead of the rules of people, man. So your heart is exposed there, and it will require your humility to recognize your sinfulness. It will take faith and courage to overcome that fear, and faith to believe in the promise of God, to take that step of faith. And as we talked about, a community that will come alongside with you, for you, and will speak the words of encouragement. None of us are supposed to walk this Christian life alone, trying to make it on our own strength. So all of those are required if we are going to do this right. So approving the things that are excellent, what does that look like? David Chapman says this. Here the word excellent concerns those things that have differentiated themselves as being of the highest import in maintaining Christian holiness. Thus the Christian, out of an overflowing love for God, is to become an expert in comprehending the excellent, holy things of God. Right, what is that excellent thing? What what are the top choices? Top choices in this context is things that will make you holier, more like Christ. So, excellent things between, not my job options, we're not talking about that. But I want you to think about on your own. Only you could answer those questions. What are some of the things that are lacking in my life? What are some of the things that, that I, could, I could now choose to go one step farther? I've been remaining in 101, but can I move on to 201? John MacArthur says it in this way. The excellent things are all the truth, attitudes, thoughts, words, and deeds that are expressions of God's will for the believer. They are the elements of sanctified, holy thinking and living so that believers can live their lives at the highest level of spiritual devotion and obedience. I like that. Where God wants you to come to is that highest level of your spiritual devotion and obedience. Nothing less. Christian character at its highest level comes from a divinely implanted and ever-growing love that both leads to and is directed by a rich understanding of and faithful obedience to the divine truth revealed in Scripture. I have given you a, in the Twitter link a little pictogram that is taken from none other than Rick Warren, Rick Warren's uh, book. That diagram is really helpful in thinking about next step. You cannot do all things at once. And that diagram is very popular and familiar one. And it is in a diamond of that baseball game. The idea, I really like it, the idea is to move you from one base to the next one. It's not for you to hit and score. If you are 
in a hitting position, you hit the ball, what's the first place that you have to go? It's the first base. If you're already on the first base, next step is second base, where you could run to third and come home. But it is the idea for people, Christians, to think about the next step. So first thing in that diagram is to know Christ, and the first base is fellowship. Second base is growing in Christ, and the second base is discipleship. Third base is serve Christ, and the ministry is the third base. And home, coming home is share Christ and evangelism. I like that. It's simple, and, and it's easy for people to understand. The point is for you to think about next step. What could be your next one, next step that you could go to? Again, the reason why we are not giving you the list is not to make the same mistake. All of us, we are different in our personality, in our God-given talents. So we have to set up our own rules, things that you could go to the next step for you to grow. If you have never participated in any church activities, Coming out to barbecue would be one. For some of us, I mean, that's an easy thing, but some people who have never ever participated in church activities, that would be a hard thing. So we encourage them. Next step would be growing together. Would you like to participate in this teaching, that teaching, discipleship? Next step would be serving. Have you served before? That is critical for your growth. So what can you do? How can you serve? Think about it. Oh, I I just am not ready for this. Okay, then what's the next one? Because not serving is not an option. You have to go to the top choices. You have to approve the excellent things for you, for your sake. You have never shared the gospel. Then how can I overcome my fear? And what are you saying? Is there some kind of training or book that I could read? See, all of that. I hope and pray that in your Christian life, in our Christian lives, we will not settle with the lowest denominations, no. You and I, we should go to the highest level of obedience and faithfulness. What's your next step? Walking hard for the growth in the knowledge and grace of Jesus Christ. Let us think about that. Let us make some plans for ourselves and put that into practice. I want to grow. I don't want to stop. Don't you? Don't you want to grow? I hope you want to. I hope you find your own way of things and you will approve the things that are excellent so that he may bear much fruit for his kingdom to the glory and praise of our God. Let's pray.